Spring is in the air, folks. The days are getting longer. The temperature is going to feel warmer and everything is going to get better and spring is coming. That can only mean one thing and that is grilling season. Get your charcoal or gas grill out and start grilling some Omaha steaks. With 50% off site-wide, grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean fresh seafood, juicy burgers, incredible air chill chicken, along with their decadent desserts. Please, when you go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code HOOPS and get an extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. That's code HOOPS, H-O-O-P-S, at omahasteaks.com for $30 off your next order. You'll want to act fast, though, because the 50% site-wide is only available for a limited time. Again, one more time, use code HOOPS at omahasteaks.com for $30 off your next order. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. He didn't see the thing falling. You don't really know how a gangster gone ball. All right, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. This is your host, Matt Tweed. Um, normally, this is an NBA podcast, um, but we are going to talk all things college basketball today. Um, it is the NCAA tournament going on. It is recording Monday, March 20th, so it's after the first weekend, which is one of the best weekends in sports, maybe the best like prolonged four days of sport. Um, just... Just incredible stuff um, from start to finish, you know, Thursday to, to Sunday. Um, so we're going to do – that's what today's going to be. We're going to recap from Thursday all the way up to last night. There were games Thursday and Friday from noon to, to midnight. And then yesterday, same thing – or and then Saturday and Sunday, same thing. A little more gaps in between. Um, we'll talk about that. they got to figure that out. There's, there's too many standalone games. Um, and then you're throwing three or four games all at once when you could just kind of stagger those somewhat like you do the first couple days. Um, and, you know, that's that's more nitpicking than anything. But we'll get into that. Um, before we do jump into anything college basketball related, if you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for stumbling across the pod. Um, you can find us on Twitter at um, Matt underscore Tweed 22. Follow for all your gambling content your college basketball for now content, NBA, all that stuff, just a good laugh. Follow me on Twitter. If you are a continued listener, thank you so much for the support. Um, we salute you. We appreciate the support and the love, um, and thank you for writing. Uh, please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes or any notifications about future episodes. Okay, without further ado, um, let us dive right into all things NCAA tournament. So what we're going to do is we're just going to cover the major storylines from each day. We'll start chronologically. So we'll start on Thursday, March 16th is when this tournament all kicked off. I know there was some, um, you know, first four games that were on Tuesday and Wednesday. But um, that's another thing we'll get into right now. Actually, I'm just going to start, start criticism right now. So I understand the concept of the first four. I get the concept of the first four. Um, it gives teams that normally probably wouldn't make the field of 64 that were right on the bubble or, you know, that are lower mid, lower tier division one programs. It gives them a shot to actually make the field of 64. So I know we're marketing it as the field of 68, but let's be honest, the field of 68 is just the first four games. Um, and then it gets down to the field of 64. Here would be my 
recommendation or my fix for the the first four. I don't think a 16 seed that automatically qualified within their conference tournament, the, the, the phrase automatic qualifier should be for the field of 64. It should not mean an automatic qualifier for a chance to get into the field of 64. Okay. So I think that the teams that should be playing in the playing game in the first four are all teams that did not win their conference tournament that are on the bubble. Okay. Or, you know, teams that maybe did win their conference tournament but were were terrible during the year. Now, that still gives me a little bit of pause. I still think if you win your conference tournament and you're going to call the, the conference tournament an automatic qualifier, then you should get in. Um, but I think it's unfair to some of these teams that win their conference tournament, but just because their conference is kind of shitty or has a bunch of lower-level programs, that they then have to play an extra game to get into you know, to get into the, the field of 64. So my big fix for the first four would be make it only teams that are at large that are on the bubble and everybody else gets into the tournament automatically. Yes. That might mean that you have to kick out an 11 or a 10 or, you know, whatever, a a, a 10 or 11 seed that was on the bubble. Yeah. Make them play their way in that team did not win their conference regular season, did not win their conference tournament, and isn't at large for a reason. Their resume is not good enough to solidify and put them in the tournament. So make them play in the first four. You know, and also, you know, this year with with sta- notwithstanding, because some of the um some of the playing games were terrible. But what I would do is I would make you're also gonna get better, you're also gonna get better games theoretically if you have you know, four games that are 11 seeds or 10 seeds versus two that are 16 and then the other two that are 11s, you know, whatever. I I just think it's disingenuous to call the conference tournaments an automatic qualifier and then make them play another game to get into the field of 64. Listen, I know they're trying to remarket and rebrand that the play-in still counts as being in the tournament. Nobody believes that. Everybody that goes to those games knows that they're playing to get into the March Madness tournament that happens two days later. Nobody takes off work on Tuesday and Wednesday to watch the first four games. They take off work because the tournament starts on Thursday. So you can be mad about me for that comment all you want. You can think that that's mean and whatever. I don't care. I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, know that Thursday is the actual field of 64 and the playing games for those 16 seeds that won their conference is disingenuous. That's my opinion. I think they should be automatically in and you should make the at-large teams play in the play-in with the 11 seeds and the 10 seeds, you know, for a chance to be a 10 seed or an 11 seed. Or, or I don't know, make it a 12, make it a 13. I don't care. But whatever seeding you want to do, make those the play-ins versus the 16 seeds. They should automatically be in and have a chance to you know, do what Fairleigh Dickinson did. Now, that's a different story because Fairleigh Dickinson technically didn't win their conference tournament either. They made it in via a, a team that was disqualified because they just moved to Division One, which I think is bullshit either way. Whatever. <clears throat> if a team that moved into Division One and in their first year won the conference tournament and was the best team in the conference, maybe they shouldn't be banned from playoff contention. Maybe they are good enough. You know? Maybe the, maybe the other team should step it up a bit. I don't know. But that's just me. That's my soapbox for the first four. So let's get to Thursday, though, because one of the teams that did win actually a play-in game on Wednesday did do something really cool on Friday. But let's first start with Thursday. We started off the day, um, a bunch of teams 
winning most of their games favorites-wise. So Alabama, favorite, wins. Houston, favorite, struggled in the first half, but finally pulled away. They win. Kansas, struggled in the first half a bit, but ends up getting out to a decent lead after the first half. They end up dominating, winning by you know, 28 points. Um, Alabama wins by 21. Texas only up by you know only up by nine in the first half pulls away wins by twenty. UCLA a two seed. You know, maybe touch and go at points, but ends up winning by a bunch. Wins by thirty three. Big shocker on on um, Thursday. This was a game that I actually picked in an eliminator challenge, and it ruined me the first day. I had Arizona beating Princeton. And I want to talk about this for a second because. This was the theme with some of these some of these teams. End of game, like execution and effort and uh, let's call it act like you want to be there type of feel just wasn't there in this game. Arizona was up by one and was up by nine in the second half. Um, then it was down to, I believe, six, maybe five. But with like eight minutes left, I believe that um, I believe that Arizona was up nine. I'm going to go through the play-by-play here just so I don't have this completely wrong. But I believe in the second half, like, Arizona had a big lead. Up 6, up 8. They were up 10 with 12 minutes left. Up 12 with with 11.50. Then it was 8. Then it was 10. Then it was 8. They were up 8. Let's see. They were up 10 with 8 minutes left. And then from then on... Oh my gosh. Up 10 with eight minutes left. Then a layup by Princeton, another layup by Princeton, a three-pointer. So they go on an, uh, a 7-0 run there. Finally, Arizona decides to stifle them a little bit. They kind of get some distance. They're up five with about four and a half left. Then it's down to three. Then it's down to one. Then for about two minutes, it's back and forth, no buckets. But from the two-minute mark on, Literally until 21 seconds left. So from 2.03 to 21 seconds, Arizona acted like they were up 10. They were casual with the ball. They threw dumb passes. They took their time. Acting like they were up 10, but they were down one. And then they acted like they didn't even care. I mean, turnovers, missed jumpers, offensive fouls. Casual with the ball. Even when um, even when Princeton goes up three with 21 seconds left, they were still casual with the ball. And this is going to be a theme like that, that I'll kind of touch on. I don't know if like these teams just d- didn't you know didn't have to take anything seriously. Arizona was 28 and six going into this game. I think they lost like twice in their conference or three times in their conference. Now, listen, the Pac-12 was not great. They had one other really good team in, in UCLA, who looks great, by the way. But, like, I don't know if this was just like a – they just thought that they were going to waltz in and beat the 15-seed Princeton, but Princeton put it to them. And when, you know, when Arizona was up 10, they probably thought that this was over. They could just coast. Princeton fought back and fought back, and here we were. And down three with 21 seconds left. Arizona misses a three, they get an offensive rebound, they miss another three, and the game is over. And Arizona, a two seed who some people, a decent chunk of people had going to the national title and winning it, is out in the first day. 
to a 15 seed, who, by the way, were, you know, not a spoiler necessarily, but they go on and win another game, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But just a casual, casual effort by Arizona when they were up 10 with about eight minutes left and they lose by four. Get outscored by 14 points the last eight minutes of the game. Just unacceptable for a two seed. Duke pounds Oral Roberts and then the Furman game. So Furman taking on Virginia, who obviously, if you you know don't know, or if you're not a, a college basketball you know follower, twenty eighteen, Virginia is a one seed, loses to a sixteen seed, UMBC by twenty, by the way, and it was a game where nothing was going well for Virginia, and then the following year they win the national title, which is just I mean as almost as immaculate as them losing to the sixteen seed. Because to to put up that hor- horrific effort and then to come back the next year and be able to bounce back. Now, listen, they had a lot of stuff go their way, um, which is fine. They had some you know, questionable calls to get them to that spot, which happens. That's fine. Um, but then in this game, they play Furman. And I think they were up 13 or 14 at one point in the second half, and then Furman just stuck with it, stuck with it, and again, just kind of like casual, I don't know, man, just like casual acting like that this game was over, that these mid-major teams don't fight, that that's not how they've gotten to this point, you know, like, I don't know, up, yeah, up 12, 50 to 38, another theme, up 12 with 12 minutes left. Up six with with eight minutes left. And then it goes all downhill. I mean, Furman took a three-point lead with three and a half minutes left. Three-point lead with two and a half minutes left. And then Virginia goes up, goes up three, and then all hell breaks loose. Seven seconds left. Furman has just made two free throws to cut it to a two-point game. They inbound the ball. It's passed over to Kihei Clark. He kind of dribbles to the corner, which is always just a no-no. But even if you do that, you know, you can kind of just hold the ball. I'm not saying that, like, you should have taken the the 8-second the violation or the 10-second violation. It would be 10 seconds in, in college. So the 10-second violation. But you probably, you could have just held the ball. They, they had to foul you. They were going to foul you at some point. But instead... He just turns and fires the ball like up in the air towards half court. And at first I just thought, oh, this ball, like there's nobody over there. Then all of a sudden the Furman player comes into the screen. He just intercepts the pass and then fires it to J.P. Pagase. And he drills a three. And they're up one and they win the game. I just... It all happened so quickly, and it all made absolutely zero sense that I I truly was just so shocked. Just so shocked that Kihei Clark, who made one of the most prolific passes in Virginia history in 2019 to get them to the title, that he would just do one of the most infamous passes now in Virginia history to lose a game against a, a 13-seed Furman who was down 12 with 11 minutes left. And all you had to do was hold the ball or pass it to somebody or throw it straight up in the air. 
and the game would be over. But instead, it's not. And they lose. In just remarkable fashion. Just unbelievable stuff. So that was the Furman game versus Virginia. Next game we're going to talk about here, um, Penn State and Texas A&M. Look, um, Texas A&M was a team that I thought was underseeded. I thought they got screwed. I thought they should have been a higher seed. And I don't know if that plays into this loss, mostly because – they got mollywopped. Um, it was it was never close. Um, they were outscored by 16 in the first half, and they got outscored by one in the second. So they never really even made a run. Um, maybe you could say that Texas A&M should have been like a f- six or a five, and they should have been playing a 12. That's fine. I mean, say what you want, but if you're if you're underseeded, then you should win this game regardless, right? Then you're better than your number, and you should be playing you know, then you're better than this team. However, you'd be playing a theoretically worse team. It was just an unfortunate matchup too because Penn State was was on a roll, man. I mean, they they made it all the way to the Big Ten title game. Um, Andrew Funk was in a groove. He, I think he hit eight threes in this game. Um, and so whether underseeded or not, you got to, you know, if, you're, if, if you think you're underseeded, you got to win this game. But it was just a tough matchup. Um, sometimes... Sometimes teams, listen, the NBA playoffs is like this. College basketball is like this. It comes down to a couple things. Um, Guard play, do you have a big that can stretch the floor? And then matchups. And that matchup can be, you know, Texas A&M guards the three terribly. Penn State shoots the three ball at a massively high rate in the country, especially in the Big Ten, and they hit at a nice rate. So that's just a bad matchup with team tendencies. Then there's like size disadvantages, right? We're going to talk about that for the Friday games. But there's like a size disadvantage. Maybe you're a team that likes to play really slow because you have two big men or you have a really big dude, and maybe you're playing against a team, the team that you're playing against is super small. So that could present two different sides, right? There's just matchups. Maybe there's a team that's running gun versus a team that likes to slow it down. There's teams that don't shoot the three well versus teams that guard the three well. It just, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. But in this Penn State game specifically, it really came down to Penn State shot the three at an alarmingly high clip. I think Funk was 8 of 10 or 8 of 11 from three. And Penn State does not guard the three well. They have one of the worst, um, you know, at a power five, they have one of the worst three-point opposing field goal percentages in the country. It's a recipe for disaster against Penn State, as Penn State team that, although, by the way, was on a roll and feeling good. So, you know, that was an upset, per se, by seeding, but Vegas had that as a short line anyway, you know? So it wasn't too crazy to see that happen. Um, Charleston loses to San Diego State. That was a big one that everybody the 12-5 was on. I was on it. Um, but when I saw the game start, and I kind of saw how it was progressing, I shouldn't have been shocked. Um, it was a really bad matchup for Charleston. San Diego State's a big and physical defensive team, and, and Charleston from a mid-major perspective. Um, and San Diego State guards the three really well. Again, Charleston wants to get you on action, wants to get you on back cuts, and physical teams just don't let those happen, and then they want to finesse you into getting three-point buckets, and it wasn't happening. That was easy. Um, not a whole lot here. I mean, Maryland wins a game that the public was on in West Virginia as a West Virginia as a lower seed was a favorite, which, you know, you don't always get Arkansas. I know it's only a 10 point game, but Arkansas dominated that game. Auburn dominates Iowa. Northwestern beats Boise State again. Some of these games, you know, the scores may look a little closer, but the, the some of these games were never in doubt. Um, 
Missouri, never in doubt against Utah State. So that's that's the first day of round one. Friday is when we had some good stuff. So let's get to that. I wish ESPN did these in order of like when they actually happened. I'm going to see if I can go to March Madness app and see if this is a better representation. Because if you go to the if you go to ESPN, the first game it shows you on Friday is the Purdue game, which I want to talk about, but that was one of the later games. So let me see if I go to the scores here, if these line up. Okay, these do. So, Friday. First game of Friday, USC-Michigan State. Actually, was a really good game in the first half. Um, ends up being a 10-point win for Michigan State. They really kind of pull away towards the end. Nothing big there. Kennesaw State-Xavier was an incredible game. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull up the play-by-play for this one. Because it truly was just... Uh, I think they ended Xavier ended the game on a 15-to-1 run. But Kennesaw State thoroughly dominated this game from start to finish. This game at halftime was 43-36 Kennesaw State. Into the second half, let me see if I can find where it is. Yep, Kennesaw State with 10 minutes left. No, yeah, 10 minutes left is up 13. Again, this is a different one though. This is the underdog, or sorry, this is the favorite, the three seed down 13. With 10 minutes left. And they get bullied. I mean, Xavier, three-point bucket, free throw, jumper made, jumper, two-point tip shot, two free throws made, jumper. They go on a, on a 13, 14, 15, 15 to one run, I think they go on. Let me look at this, make sure that's right. Yeah. Wait, no. They go on a... Yeah, they go on a 15-0 run. Kennesaw State doesn't even get a bucket for about six and a half minutes. Finally, they get a foul. Kennesaw State ties it up at 63. Nunji makes a free throw. Kunkel makes a three to make it put up two. It's tied. It actually ended up being a really good game. And then, you know, a couple missed shots by Kennesaw State, and it's a five-point win. Funny story about this one. I uh, I live bet Xavier at minus three and a half. So they had to win by four. When I live bet them, I think, when it was tied at 62, if I remember correctly. No, uh, when it was tied 63-63. I live bet them. Minus three and a half. I figured there's three minutes left. Xavier has all the momentum at this point. I figured they're going to win by, you know, I figured they win by actually even more than what they won by. I figured they win by, you know, seven or eight. I figured it was just going to be a, you know, a barrage. So, Nunji makes a foul shot. Kunkel makes a three. They're up two. It's tied. Colby Jones free throw. They're up one. Um, Boom hits two. Free throw, 69 and 70, so they're only up three. Mind you, I have three and a half. Xavier calls a timeout. Kennesaw State runs an inbounds play. The guy who catches it kind of bobbles it as he's catching it, and his foot steps out of bounds. I don't notice that. So I think the game is over, and I think I lose by the hook. Instead of Kennesaw State just letting the clock run out, with .7 seconds left, they foul. Boom makes both free throws. They win by five. I win my bet. I thought my bet was dead. 
It wasn't. They get it done. Okay, so that's the Xavier game. Big comeback there by Xavier. Baylor dominates UCSB. St. Mary's wins that one thoroughly. Marquette wins that one thoroughly. Pitt dominates Iowa State. Creighton, again, it looks they they win by nine. Maybe looks a little closer. Creighton pretty much controlled that game in the second half. UConn struggles early against Iona. Domination in the second half. What a win then to win by twenty four. And then we get to the games of the night. Purdue, Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed. By the way, like I mentioned, uh, uh, touched on it a little bit. Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed, didn't even win their conference. They got second in their conference tournament, but because Merrimack had just moved to Division I, they have to sit out a year of postseason play. Why? I don't know the rationale. I've got to look into it. I haven't thought of it much. But they had to sit out. So... Fairleigh Dickinson didn't even get an automatic qualifier, gets in because of a technicality, and then wins their play-in game in Dayton, the first four game, which, good for them. Coach makes a funny statement. He's like, oh, I don't want I don't want Purdue to see this, but our film guy, blah, 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 he calls him by name, and he goes, he said, uh, he told me the other day, he goes, the more I watch Purdue, I think we can beat him. And I'm laughing, because, like, they were 23-and-a-half-point favorites, Purdue was, I think, if I remember correctly. And... Fairleigh Dickinson's up at halftime, 32-31. But here's the thing. The halftime score, take that with a grain of salt. Sometimes these 16-1 and games are 15-2s and and 14-3s. Like, these teams hang around. This is what happens all the time in March Madness. They hang around early because either A, they're a team that's played in the first four, so they have momentum, or, you know, they... They're playing on adrenaline, their back's against the wall, it's house money. And the first half, it sometimes can be close. Like... Um, for Kansas and Howard, for most of the game, it was like a two-point game in the first half. They pulled away at the end with some clutch shooting and some defensive stops. I mean, if we look at a lot of these, 11-6 matchup, Arizona State up seven in the first half. Um, You know, VCU-St. Mary's ends up being a blowout, but VCU's tied. Drake-Miami, Drake's up five at halftime. They lose by seven. Like, Montana State only down six at halftime. They lose by 12. Like, there's a lot of these games where these lower these lower seeds and these mid-majors, they stick around. But this one was different, man. I mean, this one was different. Fairleigh Dickinson, 16 seed, beats Purdue by five. And I want to open up the I want to open up the play-by-play here because. I want you to understand that this was never actually a game that, like, you had to sweat. I'm going to go to win probability here, and I just want you to understand when when the win probability, like, was legit. So at uh, with 11.56 left in the second half, Purdue is up five. And they have a 94% chance, or sorry, 93% chance of winning. I don't think it was ever better than that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it was 93.2 when it was 47-41. From that moment on, it their winning percentage was never better than 82%. It goes to 75 because Fairleigh Dickinson takes a lead. Even with a lead, Purdue was still a 73% chance to win. That's how lopsided this matchup is. Goes to 82% when Purdue gets a rebound and they're up one. It does go to 53%, though, when Fairleigh Dickinson goes up four with seven and a half minutes left. 
It drops back down to about 62%, 65%, 68%. But then with about four minutes left is when it starts to get dicey. With three minutes left, Sean Moore from Fairleigh Dickinson gets a rebound, and they're up one with three minutes left. Foul happens. They make two, two free throws, so now they're up three. Then Joe Munden gets a rebound. They're up three with two and a half left. They miss a shot. Purdue calls a timeout. They're still down three with about a minute 45 left, 60%. 69%. Sean Moore steals the ball, and I th- believe this is where the lay-in happens. Yep. Sean Moore lays up to Grant Singleton, 58-53 with a minute and a half left. They're down five, Purdue is. Fairleigh Dickinson's up five. Fairleigh Dickinson's win percentage is now 79%. Purdue makes a three-pointer, though, and it plummets to now 65% with a minute and a half left. Fletcher Lawyer hits a three. So Purdue's down two at this point. Then right after that, Sean Moore, dagger three, puts him up five with about a minute left. Dickinson calls a timeout. Fletcher Lawyer makes a free throw. They're down three. Or they made both free throws down three. Purdue gets a rebound. They miss a three. They foul. Two free throws. End of game. Fairleigh Dickinson wins by five. Even when they were up three with two minutes left, they only had a 58% chance to win. Even when they were even when they were up one. Up two. They still, Purdue, had a 72% chance to win. That is how big of an upset this is. 23 and a half this line closed at. Purdue loses outright. 63-58. Just insane stuff. Kentucky ends up closing out Providence. Gonzaga ends up closing out Grand Canyon. Like I said, Miami was was struggling with Drake early on. They win. FAU plays a a great game against Memphis. They win by one. Kansas State wins by 12. TCU hits a shot at the buzzer against Arizona State. They move on. Kent State beats Indiana, or sorry, Indiana beats Kent State. I did have Kent State winning that game. That was a bummer. I had them winning two, actually. Let's move on to Saturday, the second round. The Furman, the Furman Paladins, the Cinderella story there. Let's talk about storylines here. No real massive ones. The biggest one overall, two big ones, actually three big ones. Tennessee just thoroughly pummeling Duke. I shouldn't have believed in them. I should have known that a team that won a below-average conference and struggled to score at times and didn't get enough production out of their stars, I shouldn't have bought in at the end, but I did. Either way, I I screwed up. I had Duke winning. They didn't win. Tennessee dominates them, wins by 13. While Purdue did lose to a 16 and was the first one seed out, Kansas was the second one out, losing to Arkansas 72-71. They blew... I believe a 10-point lead or a 9-point lead in the second half and just can't figure out their offense at the end. So they lose outright 72-71. And then Princeton, a 15 seed, who beat Arizona, who I mentioned on on Thursday, they went again to get to the Sweet 16 and beat Princeton or and beat Missouri 78-63 again in a game which I believe. Let me go to Saturday. Um, let me see what the, the line was. I believe Princeton was seven-point favorites, or sorry, seven-point underdogs, six-and-a-half. Six-and-a-half-point underdogs, and they win outright by 15. It's a pretty big ass-whooping there. Um, So that is, oh, and then Auburn taking on Houston. I think I saw this, and I'm going to double-check this just so I'm not crazy. I'm pretty certain I saw that Auburn only made four field goals the entire second half. That could be wrong, but let me double-check that. 
They did score 23 points in the second half, so it seems a little bit off. But let me uh, let me go to let me go to play by play here and go to um, second half. Yeah, they made four field goals. And they were all twos. So they got the other 15 points from foul shots? Wait a minute. They did. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. 11, 12, 13, 14. All other 15 points were free throws. They made four buckets, all twos, the entire second half. What an absolute suffocating defensive performance from Houston in the second half. Listen, I don't love how they've started games. I don't love their offensive output. But if you can lock a team up and they only get four buckets in the second half, you can beat anybody, no matter what happens. Unreal. Texas beats Penn State, and then UCLA beats um, beats Northwestern, and then Alabama closes out Maryland. Okay, second... Second second round day, Sunday, Xavier beats Pitt, 84-73. Kansas State beats Kentucky, even though Kentucky was the favorite. I thought that was crazy to me. Um, Michigan State, the first kind of big upset for the weekend in terms of, you know, spread-wise, outside of Princeton. Michigan State wins by nine. Marquette, I think, was favored by, like, I want to say three or three and a half. Maybe it was more than that. Uh, Marquette just played terrible, and uh, Michigan State hit some shots when they needed to. UConn again, slow start against St. Mary's, but they just figure they're just they're looking really good, man. I I don't know what else to tell you. This is looking like the team that was in the middle of the year the best team in the country. Um, Creighton beats Baylor, which I would say is somewhat of an upset, but Creighton also is looking like one of the best teams in the country too. Um, watch out for them, man. They play. Um, trying to think of who they play. They play Princeton. So listen, I'm not listen, I don't know. But watch out. Just watch out for them. Okay. Um, and then last but not least, let's see what we got. Um, Indiana gets throttled. It was close at one point, and they get throttled by Miami. FAU ends the Cinderella story that is FDU. And Gonzaga, listen, uh, this is the worst beat I've seen in a long time for betters that had Gonzaga minus four and a half. They were up 8478. Um uh, Mike Miles Jr. lets the ball roll with 0.7 seconds left and hits a, just a deep three to only lose by three when they were down by six. Um, just a horrible beat for Gonzaga fans and Gonzaga betters. Well, Gonzaga betters. Gonzaga fans get the win, though. Much better second half after being down, if I remember correctly. Um, I think they were down like eight or something at halftime. Um, so a nice, a nice comeback there for them. Um, okay, let's talk really quick. Let's take a look at you know some of the the rest of the matchups here. I'm gonna pull up the bracket just so I can um, just so I can get everything correct here. So heading into Thursday, Michigan State taking on Kansas State. I don't know, man. I can't count Izzo out. I had Kansas State um, getting to this point, and I had Kansas State losing to Marquette. So I guess if I if I want some to salvage some points, I'll be rooting for Michigan State because I don't think a lot of people will have that. Um, and then on this side, listen, it doesn't really matter. Um, I would want FAU to win because I on the on the um, East region because I don't think a lot of people are going to have FAU. 
Um, and a lot of people probably have Tennessee. I just don't think FAU matches up well with Tennessee. And I don't know. Kansas State's guards are incredible, man. Keontae Johnson and and Noel like are playing out of their minds. I would take Kansas State over Michigan State, and I would take Tennessee over FAU. That's going to be a great um, Elite Eight game um, on Saturday. Um, so that would be my guesses for the, for the East region. As we uh, go to the... Um, as we go to the, I believe that's the, the West, we've got Arkansas and UConn also on Thursday. I have UConn in the natty, so I'm going to pick UConn to win that game. I think their defense and their size can really hurt Arkansas. Arkansas got lucky against Kansas. They have some guards, some young guards Arkansas does that just make some bonehead plays sometimes. I think UConn is really getting back to that basketball that they were playing during the middle of the year. I would take UConn to beat Arkansas. And then I'm pretty certain, um... My West region outside of outside of um, Kansas losing to Arkansas, which I don't think anybody really had, maybe a couple. Um, my uh, my West region is perfect. I had Gonzaga and UCLA. I had Arkansas, or sorry, I had UConn and Kansas, but I did have Arkansas beating Illinois, and I had UConn beating St. Mary. So we're damn near perfect on that side. Um, I'm trying to look up here though. Um, I definitely don't have a perfect bracket on the Midwest side. Um, and that's about it. But my, my West is really damn good, which, you know, a lot of people might have this, so it's not shocking. Um, Gonzaga, UCLA, um, also on that day, I have Gonzaga going to this point, getting up, winning the next game and losing to UConn. So I'm going to pick Gonzaga. I think it's a really good matchup, but UCLA is solid, man. UCLA is really good. Gonzaga better play some defense. But they don't have as UCLA doesn't have the type of scoring that TCU does. So I think this is gonna be a low, lower scoring game. I think Gonzaga gets that one. So so far on Thursday, I'd be taking Kansas State, UConn, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. And then on to Friday, our first matchup of the day, which is out or down south in Louisville, San Diego State taking on Alabama. I mean, I have Alabama winning the whole thing, and I I think this this is a tougher matchup for Alabama. Um, Listen, I had them facing Charleston at this point, I believe, is what I had. Um, so definitely, you know, different than what I had on my actual bracket. But this is a this is a tougher matchup um, just because San Diego State does not give up the three ball at all. And Alabama loves to, to shoot the three. And if they're not shooting the three as effectively as they like to, this could be a little tougher of a matchup. But again, Alabama is overwhelmingly the best team in the tournament. Um, and so if, if I'm, if I'm thinking I'm going to go against them, it's not against a five seed in San Diego state who can't score. Like they really struggle to score. Their defense is incredible, but they really struggle to score. And so because of that, I'm going to take Alabama in that one. Then we go to, um, Miami and Houston, which is taking place in Kansas city. Um, Houston, the one seed Miami, the five. Again, this could be one where I do see Houston losing. They haven't looked great. However, their second half. Um, this past weekend um, against uh, shoot I'm drawing a blank against uh, Auburn the second half that was that was impressive as hell um, if they can put something like that together for for two halves I think they can really stifle Miami but but Jim Laranega has been there man this is not this is not a, a his first rodeo um, and so I think this is definitely a matchup that's going to be interesting. Uh, but I do think Houston comes out of that one. Creighton and Princeton, again, in the south, um, in Louisville, um, the second game there. Man, um, I think this is an interesting one. Uh, I think Creighton is really coming into their own, and so I would say um, 
I would say definitely you you take Creighton just based on how they're playing right now, but Princeton is just so efficient, so effective in what they do that if Creighton gets any anywhere outside of their comfort zone, Princeton just doesn't get rattled. Um, but I do think where it sits right now, you got to take Creighton and how they're playing. And then Xavier in Texas, the second game in that Missouri slot there in Kansas City. This is an awesome matchup, man. This may be the matchup. I know Gonzaga-UCLA is a good one, but this may end up being the best matchup out of all of them. Um, I have Texas in my Final Four, so I'm definitely going to roll with them, but I think this may be the best the best matchup of all of them. Um, so that would be – so for, for Friday, I would go Alabama, Houston, Creighton, Texas. A lot of chalk there. I get it. Um, I'm going to pull up FanDuel here, though, and look at some of the odds for those games because I want to give you I want to give you some spread takes and see kind of where these land um, in the college basketball spectrum here. So for Thursday, Michigan State favored by one and a half. I know th- that just seems odd to me. Um, I know Michigan State, maybe like all some of the metrics lean their way, but man, Kansas State's got some bucket getters. And so I'm going to take them, obviously, with the plus one and a half because I can get that at minus 102. But I'm also going to take them on the money line. I think Kansas State wins this one outright. Um, Arkansas, UConn, it's three and a half right now, favored by, for UConn. Um, man, that's tough. I just think UConn's playing really good ball. So I'm going to take UConn minus three and a half there. Um, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee. Look, I think this is just a bad matchup. Only getting four and a half for Tennessee seems right, or uh, seems too not right. Seems too small. I'm going to take Tennessee minus four and a half. And then Gonzaga, UCLA. I have Gonzaga winning this one, so I'll take the two and a half, and I'll also take them on the money line. Um, Friday, Alabama getting seven and a half against San Diego State. Listen, I, I think Alabama wins this one, but seven and a half is a lot for San Diego State, who, um, who really guards the three well. I don't know if I want to take all favorites. I'm going to take San Diego State plus seven and a half. I think they can keep it within seven. Miami and Houston, again, I'm going to take plus seven and a half here. I think that's too many points um, against the Houston team that has struggled to score in Miami who can score in bunches. Creighton, nine and a half. Look, I think this is just a bad matchup for Princeton. I think it can be close, um, but I'm going to take Creighton minus nine and a half. And then Xavier and Texas, I don't know if I'll take Texas minus three and a half. I'm definitely going to take them on the money line, probably in a parlay in some fashions, but three and a half seems right around the number. I don't want to take either side. If I had to pick, I would go Texas minus three and a half, but um, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to take them on the money line for sure. Those are my leans. Those are my picks. Um, Again, I'm going to go Kansas State, UConn, Tennessee, Gonzaga on Thursday, and then Alabama, Houston, Creighton, Texas on Friday. That sets up some really fun Elite Eight matchups the next days on Saturday and Sunday. We're not going to speculate those. Maybe we'll record um, Saturday morning before uh, those games tip off. Um, That is going to do it for a college basketball edition of In the Paint, which is normally an NBA podcast. Again, if you're new, please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download to the podcast appreciate you finding us if you're a continued listener appreciate the support and the love we salute you um and man it's been a great march madness so far and it's only going to get better as these teams get more and more talented and get matched up together um love y'all appreciate y'all we'll catch you next time all right fam peace